I've got a fun fact about video games to start off today's episode of Podquisition. Oh, you mean the podcast where we talk about the video games that people love and want to know if they are great or perfect? Absolutely. The one and the same. Jim, Jim, is this one actually a video game fact or is this going to be another lefty politics fact? No, no, this is this is about Silent Hill. Ah. I love Silent Hill. It's one of my favourite series. That's a great, great franchise. Brilliant. Silent Hill was released in North America first, then Europe, then Japan, all in 1999. But in North America, it came uh, in January 31st. It came to Europe on August 1st. And then on March, uh, it was... So sorry about that. I got that wrong. Um, But the the important thing is it came out in 1999, which is the same year that Time um, honoured Jeff Bezos as their person of the year and if we were to halve jeff bezos's millions of dollars uh, he would still be richer than 99 percent of the country and poor children would be able to eat food in schools which they currently can't do okay also on this list of billionaires every single one looks like a breaking bad antagonist so there's another silent hill fact <laughs> but hear me out jeff bezos shirtless some bloody rags and a pyramid head. Eh? Oh, sorry, I've just come. <laughs> Dude's ripped. I mean, you know. He's he's ripped, but he's also ripped off the nation by siphoning away their wealth and hoarding it in his little money treasure cave. Ooh. Ooh. The point of this podcast, this video game podcast, is to make the point that no billionaire has ever earned their money. Oh, indeed. Uh, someone put it to me, like, there are many ways you can put it to make it obvious how much a billion dollars is and how no one should have that much. Uh, I believe the fact someone told me was, um, if you went from, like, the, the, the first day that, like, Columbus turned up in America and went, this is mine now, to today, if you made $5,000 a week during that whole time period, you still wouldn't have your first, like, from then till now, you still wouldn't have your first billion. That's if you spent none of it. You could have had $5,000 every week. From then till now, still not have a billion. Yeah, basically, no one can get a billion dollars without being a prick. That's the overall point I'm trying to make with my Silent Hill fact here. Oh, also Silent Hill's a pachinko machine again, because of course it is. Oh, no, even better than that, it's a slot machine now. Oh, it's a slot machine. I'm sorry. I I downplayed what kind of money-grubbing machine it was. Yeah, the difference between pachinko and a slot machine is that a slot machine is gambling and Pachinko is gambling that pretends it isn't. So what Konami has done now is just gone straight for the beehive and they've said, fuck it. Loot boxes, too much effort. Pachinko, too much effort. Let's just make a slot machine now. Let's just cut out all of the middling stuff and go straight for gambling. I've always said in this time that Konami has, you know, decided we're just doing gambling stuff that i prefer it this way i i just they're now being honest about who they are and who they always wanted to be and they're living their best life yeah yeah see i'm excited for this to have an action like it's it's logical evolution which is we started with video games then it became gambling machines and i want it to become gambling machines that have the quality of video games built into them that we used to get. I want, like, an actual proper good Silent Hill game, but you have to play a gambling machine to get it. Like, that's that's where they're going. That's where capitalism's going to take you. Oh, don't just play our gambling machine to win money. you got to keep playing to see what the story mode is. I can't see them valuing story that much. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think if someone said to them, people will keep playing your machine even longer if they're... If, if you tell them the new Silent Hill game is inside this gambling machine, you will you will hook some new gamblers. It's easier to hook gamblers, though, by releasing a game and putting the gambling in that, mm. which is pretty much what the game industry does now. I, I'm with Conrad from basically the same perspective, um, but from, I guess, a slightly adjacent angle in that... I've played Contra Road Corps. <laughs> I played Metal Gear Survive. 
if that's the Konami that makes games now, if that's what Konami thinks is acceptable fucking product, let them keep making slot machines. I'd rather have no new Silent Hill ever than a Silent Hill that's anywhere close to being like Contra Rogue fucking core. Um, what do you think Silent Hill would be like now if they made a proper Silent Hill game? Well, let's look at Contra Rogue core. Contra <laughs> Rogue core is a Contra game where you can't keep shooting your gun <laughs> because it overheats, which is about as stupid as when Atari made that Alone in the Dark game that was co-op and required you to have all the lights on. So you were neither alone nor in the dark. <laughs> so it would basically just be the opposite. I'm thinking it would be a Dora the Explorer spin-off. Dora goes to Silent Hill <laughs> and just teaches us numbers and letters. How many pyramid heads do you see? We've got to put this bloody prisoner's hair down a plug hole. It's pulled out the letter three. <laughs> three. Trez. I don't know what's Spanish for three. Oh, and you have to match the head to the, the hole that it'll fit in because you can't, <laughs> like, stick it in the square hole. It has to find the round one. Walter Sullivan had to murder 21 people to complete the sacraments. That's one less than 22. <laughs> uh, I miss when video game companies made good video games that were just good video games and weren't anything else. Never happened. If we, if we carry on long enough, we'll get to a generation of people that never knew what those games were. That's the ultimate tragedy. I think we're there. I think, yeah, we are getting there. Yeah, yeah, we probably are there, yeah. We're legitimately there. I mean, it's... If you if you think that a lot of the like the shift to multiplayer focus really started around the turn of this century, um, and it's only just progressed from there, if you're 14 years old now, you have no memory of a time before games weren't focused online all the time. Yeah. Yeah. The the more I think about it, if you're 20 now, you were born in 1999. Which is when Jeff Bezos was time person of the year. Ah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the time that you were, you know, able to comprehend your own video games, like five or six years old, we probably were getting into that online online games microtransactions era. Yeah. Yeah. You could probably be 20 and that's all you know. It's no wonder that my audience has no children in it. No, like, I've looked at the stats on YouTube, and I know they're not an exact science, um, but Generally speaking, I think, given my audience makeup, it's probably true. Because some people like to say that, oh, I've got an audience of children that don't think for themselves. And no, it's an audience of adults that don't think for themselves. <laughs> that was a joke. Well, that might be largely true of YouTube, generally speaking. Their demographic skews fairly young. Yeah. But that's probably not the case for you. That's why I'm not popular on it. Because I think it was like less than 1% of my audience, according to the metrics, is under 18. Wow. It's, a, it's, yeah. it's barely there. I am not watched by children, and I shouldn't be. No. 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 There should be laws. I do think that, that there is a generational thing where those people, that 1% that does swing by, probably thinks I'm out of my mind. Yeah, because they, they, they d don't remember the golden era. They don't know that video games were better. Oh. They don't see that value has been taken out of the games because games have always been the way they are for them. That, that, it, was, it was the GameCube era for me. It was that point of just like, 3D games had reached a point where you could make an open world 3D game and it looked decent enough, but we hadn't really connected most of our consoles to the internet yet. Yeah. And... Multiplayer wasn't a huge thing. Most games were either local multiplayer, if it was multiplayer at all, or just here is a story, go. And, I, and I've said this many times, uh, my sort of game, my history of playing video games, I started out with PCs, I went to consoles, I went back to PCs, and around the time things went multiplayer on PC, like the last multiplayer game I seriously played, and this will date me significantly, <laughs> was Quake 2. Yeah, that's fair. And and at that point, I was like, you know what? I see the writing on the wall. I see where all of this is heading with this online connectivity. They aren't making as many of the single-player PC games that I want anymore. But consoles, those are safe. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I jumped to consoles for the PlayStation and, and the GameCube and the PS2, and then here we are. I'm back on PC. Oh no, the Wii, the Wii was still safe. That was the last bastion, I think. Yeah, but now I'm back on PC because, hell, if I've got to have that deal with the devil, at least yeah. there, there was a lot more interesting weird shit now coming out for PC. And so it, I always keep going back and forth, back and forth, as it just slowly gets worse from one place to other. It's like jumping from uh, uh, patches of slowly melting ice. Got the caps. like uh. Which we have because the world is... Right, it's slowly melting around us. Going it's, bad. It's, it's cooking, it's melting. Yeah, it, it wasn't really a metaphor. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm looking at this list of billionaires <laughs> for this for this video game podcast <laughs> where you find out if your favourite games are good or perfect. Um, and like, I'm just looking like Steve Ballmer, Microsoft Steve Ballmer. I can just imagine him saying, give me the money, Heisenberg. Give me the money. While Larry Page is over there saying, I've got the drugs. My mother's been on conference calls with Steve Ballmer, and that is a spot-on impression, sir. Exactly. <laughs> Give me the money. Uh. Give me the money, Heisenberg. With the Koch brothers, sorry, brother, who is saying, I've got the blue crystal meths. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do this bit that I did on a different podcast, but I'm going to give you some different information. I found a list of words that were invented the year I was born, and granny panties as a as a term was invented the year I was born. Brilliant. That's that's a thing. Nanotech. Gamepad. I'm the I'm the same year as gamepads. Granny panties could be nanny tech. Yeah, yeah, I I suppose so. Yuppies was on my list. God. Yeah, it was pretty bleak on the whole. Yeah. No, I kept I keep avoiding the I keep looking at this list and being like, ethnic cleansing is on that list. <laughs> Oops. Oh no. Hey, at least we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I just want to say, right, Yeah. just to bring it back to video games. Yeah. In the 80s and 90s, there was a, a wrestler called Erwin R. Scheister, IRS, and he was an evil tax man. <laughs> and when I was a kid, I was like, boo, boo, Erwin R. Scheister, boo, IRS. He keeps saying, pay your taxes. That's bad. I... I need, this is eight-year-old me, I need all my money for me. <laughs> Boo, IRS. Boo. And now, today, I, I wish he'd come back and take Vince McMahon's money. Yeah, yeah. Because if you took half of Vince McMahon's money, he'd still be richer than 99% of the country and poor children in school could eat. Children go to school in America, right? For hours, and they're not allowed to eat. I have I have heard it put before that Jeff Bezos could buy a detached home for every individual homeless person in America. Not for every homeless family, but every individual homeless person. Just buy them a house. He'd still be a multi-millionaire. But here's the thing. I think there's like, what, six empty homes? Yeah. For every homeless person in America? Yeah. But at some point we just decided that no. They shouldn't be allowed in there. We, we need to Airbnb everything, people. Uh, Get that paper. Dollar, dollar bill. Speaking of Airbnb. Yeah. I was looking at Jeff Bezos, and I think <laughs> his head does belong on a beam. <laughs> like, if you look at uh, him, and I'm thinking, like, you know, Africanized bee, something sleek and deadly. You look at his shiny head, and he's, he's frankly vespid smile and he looks like his head should be on a bee's body jeff bezos like a giant jeff literally jeff bezos and it should be giant and it should it should have acid coming out of its feet just for flavor well if he was a bee he might find it more difficult to touch the buttons on the computer to to get all of his wealth so you know it'd be easier to swat <laughs> anyway this is podquisition this is a a, a video game podcast where you hear about video games my name is plunkus bunkus and i directed joker ah. yeah when i got the idea for joker i thought what if a clown was bad I'm, I'm glad you came up with that idea yeah and i went from there i phoned up joaquin phoenix and i said joaquin we're on first name terms do you want to be a clown that's bad and joaquin phoenix said how bad i said very bad Batman's getting involved. He said, 
shit, Batman's getting involved. That's pretty heavy. He dealt with Killer Croc, and that's a giant crocodile. I said, dude, this clown is worse than 10 Killer Crocodiles. Big ones. He said, how big? I said, big enough for Batman to get involved. He said, sign me up. And then I couldn't tell a joke because people thought that it was offensive to say that gay people were bad, as bad as 10 giant crocodiles. If, if, if you're saying you came up with the idea of a person who tells jokes but, but they were bad and you tried to tell some jokes and they said you were bad because of it, are you the joker? I think in a way we are all the Joker. And that's the ultimate message of my film Joker, starring Joaquin Phoenix as a clown that went bad once. We live in a society, don't we? We do live in a society. I tell you what, think the way things are now, we live in two societies. One up tip. I just threw a bit of plastic. That's how into this I am. Hey, 2019 current year argument. What? It's not the current year, is it? <laughs> It's current, current year, current year argument. Bullshit, I don't want to call you out on this, but I'm going to check Living it. here in this, the current year. Holy shit. Today's the current year, and it's in a society. It's the current year in two societies. What is this? <laughs> what, have we, what have we just... Wh- why? Where did this happen? How did this go? <laughs> So, video games. That's the last time I think to myself, wouldn't it be funny if someone called Plunkus directed Joker? Um, Bl- Blizzard's still doubling down on being shitty this week. Oh, well, they um they followed up their band shot with a band chaser. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they it just broke before we started recording. I saw, what was it, Patrick Klepek, I think, tweeted it. Yeah. The three lads who uh, followed Blitzchung's... Um, protest support uh, they've been banned now yeah because they held up a sign saying free hong kong boycott blizz and they have also now been banned for six months they've got no regrets because they're a bunch of 19 year olds and they actually have some integrity yeah here's here's the thing you know it's not a good week for blizzard when Overwatch came to the came to the Switch this week. Like this is the week Overwatch is coming to the Switch, and Nintendo not only cancelled their like um, event they were going to have in the Nintendo World Store to promote Overwatch. Correction on that. Okay, okay. Blizzard cancelled it. Okay, and Nintendo quickly let us know it was their fault. Okay, that's fair. Uh, well, the thing, the other thing of note. It is the it is the only like big Switch release this week that has happened that Nintendo has gone radio silent on their social media channels for. Yeah, this is um, apparently they're letting people refund their pre-orders for it if they contact customer support, which is not their normal policy. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Nintendo's like, yep, yeah, it's fine. We don't we don't want to we we don't want to get into this. We want none of this. They are they are like the streamers uh, <laughs> when this happened. They're like, Mm-mm. No, not touching. Yeah. And I don't blame... And it's it's so wild, because this is, like, the worst possible time for Activision Blizzard to be in a massive controversy. I'm just thinking about what the cosplay is going to be like at BlizzCon in a couple of weeks. Oh, there are entire pages about, like, just people going, how can we cheaply and effectively make Winnie the Pooh costumes to all go as the president of uh, the, the man of China? Who looks a bit like Winnie the Pooh? Well, in the, in the manner in which they're using May, yeah, uh, to I mean, that's going to be everywhere. Yeah, BlizzCon, BlizzCon is going to be fucking hilarious. Some people will be will do what they did last time with Diablo Immortal and be angry at entitled people for being entitled and angry at Blizzard. Last year, I said I don't give a shit about that. I've got no sympathy. Like sometimes people can, you know go too far and demand things that are unreasonable. But being upset that Diablo Immortal existed, I didn't care because I've got no sympathy for a multi-billion dollar corporation. And if people want to make fun of them and ask awkward questions at BlizzCon, fine. Yeah. Yeah. This year's going to be so much better. (laughs) I am so ready for every single BlitzCon panel to be someone who (laughs) pulls off their shirt and now they've got a Winnie the Pooh shirt on under it going up and going, so, starts on China, huh? I I won't go and say it's definitely going to be a thing, but I have a 
suspicion that they might not even do Q&As this year. Oh, God, yeah. (laughs) They'd be wary just after the Diablo Immortal thing last year. With all of this, if they don't do Q&As in their panels, I will laugh so fucking hard. Uh... I'll laugh even harder if they do do them, because they're going to be an almighty shit show. No, I will. I, I, I just... They want engagement... They ask for engagement all the time. They beg for engagement. They find all sorts of ways to get their audience to engage with them. Well, I think now that's coming, going to come home to roost. Yeah. Because they've created all these avenues. And that, that, that's, that's a very good point. But there has to come a point where it's where, where the engagement. It has, to, it has to affect the bottom line, ultimately. Yeah. It has to reach a point where the engagement is too toxic for them to touch. Mm. And having to have their panellists try and field questions about China and Hong Kong, I think that's where they're going to say, you know what? This isn't good engagement. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they get 10% of their annual revenue from China right now. Yeah. One thing that I think is interesting about all this is i've not seen a lot of people talking about that switch port of of overwatch because i think the impression i get is a lot of people have gone i'm not going to touch it not going to think about it not going to look into it because blizzard don't want to support them right now totally fair yeah like that was my i saw it and i'm like i'm 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 a over overwatch and b yeah i fuck their games right now so i i agree with you entirely I managed to get offered code not directly from them and went, yeah, sure, I'll take a look. It's a bad port. And no one's talking about the fact it's a bad port because no one is looking at it because we're not touching Blizzard right now. So even if you're ignoring the Blizzard thing and going, oh, I'll still play their games, the Switch port of Overwatch is not good. Yeah. Even with its cut down to 30 FPS, it has pretty noticeable frame rate chugs below that and it fails to load textures sometimes for no reason. I have played multiple matches where characters are just glowing orange orbs because the character didn't load in. Brilliant. Yikes. Yeah. So because no one's talking about Blizzard right now, that that I feel like that's almost swept under the rug, the fact they've just pushed out a really bad port. But that port's real bad. <sighs> so yeah, it's not good. So in a way, like, it, it in a normal industry, it would be very bad yeah. for Blizzard to have all of this shitty news and bad PR during the time uh, of a big game launch, of a notable game launch. But it sounds like this is working out all right for them, or at least it's working out all right for the Switch version of Overwatch, which is shit, but yeah. people don't really care at the moment because they're talking about all the Hong Kong stuff. Exactly. It might have actually helped this port to hide from the fact it's a bit shit. But some games that aren't a bit shit. Uh, who, who's been playing games this week that aren't shit? Jim, you got any of those? There's one I really want to talk about. What one do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Children of Mortar. What is that? Oh, it's fucking great. Conrad, you'll like this one. All right. It's a sort of roguelike dungeon crawler with a little dash of, of Diablo-style combat to it and this wonderful story about a family who are fighting off this corrupting influence in the land and you keep going into these dungeons and you can pick from an ever-growing pool of characters that are members of this family Uh, and each one plays differently and each one levels up individually but as they level up they also gain traits that the whole family can share and it is just going into dungeons getting a little bit of that roguelike Binding of Isaac type thing where you get different upgrades that are only with you for that run. Mm -hmm. But you've also got this persistent levelling system. It's fucking gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. It's got like that pixely look to it, but the detail is astonishing. I I, I can't recommend it enough. Mm. That sounds really lovely. I was playing it. It feels like something both of you would really like. Yeah, that 
sounds like it would be my jam. Yeah. What is this available on? Uh, everything, as near as I can tell. Okay. Um, it, it hit PC a little earlier, but it's on consoles now. I think it's on Switch as well. I'm, I'm looking this up as we speak. Yeah. Uh, children, w- when you say children of mortar, is that like M-O-R-T-A-R, like mortars? or uh, No R. Oh, okay. M-O-R-T-A. It's got this beautiful art style and lovely colours. It's so rich. The backgrounds have this great painted quality to them. They're really beautiful. I like that a lot. Um, each character plays really quite differently from the others. Um... The upgrades you can get are really compelling. Uh, what, what, where it makes me think of Binding of Isaac is some of the upgrades are things like familiars, mm-hmm. um, and it's just, it's just really good. Yeah, that looks great. Um, I'll probably do a video on it this week, but it's ah, uh, oh. yeah, it, and it's just, it's got this great, charming story about family at, at the heart of it. Uh, so it's not just dive into a dungeon and just keep doing runs over and over. Yeah. Even as you fail runs, even if you die, when you go back, new stuff happens in the story. Every run you do, at least, I'm sure it reaches a stopping point, but at least so far, every run I've done, whether I've completed it successfully or died, I come back to the family home and a new piece of story has unlocked. Like one bit is every time I come back from a run, it's telling this story of the younger brother who is like training and it's that that fairly standard story of like the young reckless youth who wants to fight like his older brother and his father, but the family's concerned and the mother won't let him. And the uncle is secretly supporting it and giving him a weapon to train. But the mother's like, no, no, no. And it's just unfolds every time you come back from a dungeon run. And then he's unlocked as a character at, at once you reach a point where the family agrees he can do it and then you play you can play as him and it just does that over time and it's yeah it unfolds really nicely narratively and it's backed up by just this really addictive compelling dungeon crawling um like i was worried even though we started recording a little later today i was worried i wouldn't get here in time because i was up late last night doing it uh, I was hooked on it this morning. I want, It's one of those games where once you start playing, even if you tell yourself you'll just do a run, mm-hmm. you end up keep playing it. This looks great from this trailer I'm looking at, and the more you talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I, I feel like I need to give this one a go. Yeah, I'm probably going to have to pick that up myself. I like that. It, it scratches many of the itches I get Yeah. in terms of what I look for in a game. Yeah. There are certain games that you will talk about and I'll look at them and go, this is this is one of those ones. It's going to be a good one. Yeah. I'm not sure how much hype it's got. I mostly heard about it from Case Explosion, who is very good at picking out games that aren't getting much attention. Um, but this one definitely deserves any attention that it's getting. Um, the soundtrack's really nice. It's got some lovely music. It's got... Uh, a vocal narrator the characters aren't voiced but there's a narrator and um it's just it's such a an exquisite production with really really encouraging gameplay that makes you just keep going and going and going and it's a constantly progresses you know unlike some roguelikes where even the ones like binding of isaac where you unlock certain things for use in the dungeon because it's got its separate leveling system and you keep any gold you find in the dungeon that can be spent on upgrades for the whole family. Even a failed run, you're earning and progressing, uh, which really helps. Yeah, and that's that's something that I, I think you really have to include in some fashion in these games at this point because it's it's all about feeling a sense of progression and it needs to be constant. And if you're spacing it out too much, it's, uh, you don't ever want to have a run where it goes uh, where you feel like that was an entire waste of my time. Yeah. And if I do it again, I might have another wasted time. Yeah. Yeah. Even on ones where I've like made a big mistake and died super early. Cause if you're not careful, you know, traps will get you or whatnot. Even on ones where I die, early i'm like well at least i picked up some gold at least i got some experience for the character i got something and that just makes you play more you know sometimes you can play one of the you know a harsher 
game with more that takes the roguelike stuff more seriously where if you die you die and you lose all progress and sometimes that makes me just stop like if i do a really if i'm getting really good in a run and i die late i'm not inclined to start again yeah because it'll feel exhausting to have gone that far and lost it and have to start again from scratch whereas here you never start from scratch you lose your progress in the dungeon but your character may have gotten a little stronger or is on the way to getting stronger. You've got gold. You invest it in upgrades. Um, every run has worth. Yeah. And that makes me play for more runs, whether I fail or succeed. And this game, I think, done it better than any other. That sense of, of even as you lose, you haven't... It's not a complete loss. Um, this game is more rewarding than most games of this type. Uh, without ever feeling like it's hand-holding or being easy or whatever might turn people off um it's just yeah a very rewarding very uh encouraging game with this wonderful little story woven through it and lots of things that lots of new surprises like i've gone back to dungeons i've completed and found more stuff that have just randomly appeared as part of that dungeon's role so there's this new cave with these characters in it and a new little subquest thing every time there's a new surprise so yeah yeah just a very rich game in terms of everything from its aesthetic to its to its gameplay i like that yeah yeah because i like the idea i i like doing start to finish runs you know and things mm. and and so to know that there could still be new surprises awaiting me in an older dungeon, that's really appealing. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's cool. And, and the, the upgrades you can find, the temporary upgrades that are just with you for a run, some of those, it's got that, that good Binding of Isaac feel of you can pick something up and you're like, oh yeah, well, I, I've won this run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because I've got the thing that makes the dragon come out of the ground that poisons the earth for a bit. Or I've got the the big totem I can stick in the ground that buffs me um, to ridiculous heights. Just makes me stupid strong. Um, and that those kinds of items are like on a minute cooldown, so you can still keep using them, but they're balanced in that way. But if you use them the right way, you're like, I've got this run locked up. Uh, but then there are other ones where it's luck of the draw and say, well, this one isn't so useful. Yeah. I've got the one that upgrades my attack, but drains my health which can be useful in certain things um because it's not like a thing where you keep going and going and going every dungeon is like uh two to three levels and then a boss and once you do it that's it you're done with that run you come back to the house more story or whatever happens you go into another dungeon or you do the same dungeon um so everything's still useful, even the things that seem like they might harm the player, so long as you know when to use them. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I know, I'm banging on and on about it without saying much, because I, a lot of it's hard to describe, because it's not one of these games where, you know, it's not like The Witcher 3, where you can just bang on and on and on about the 80 hours of stuff. But I really just want to keep talking about it to big it up, even though I've run out of things to say. Any game that gets you going, I don't have any other words to add, but I'm going to keep talking because I, I want to talk about it more. That like that, That's a good sign. Yeah. So anyway, that's Children of Mortar. Highly recommended. I'll probably have a video on it this week. Maybe on... Maybe slightly before this goes up or slightly after. I don't know. But yeah, good game. Well, uh, to follow on from that, I, I played a game that um, I think more than enough has probably been said about uh, over the course of the last five years, but I only just got around to it because uh, Sony said, here, you can have it because you oh. gave us a subscription. Mm. Um, I uh, uh, I played The Last of Us. Is, is this your first playthrough of it? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, I, I have to know. How deep in are you? How's it going? Oh, I've, I've played through it. I, I've, okay. I've, I've completed it. Um, I spent a fair bit of time Saturday uh, getting through it. And, um, you know, it's weird because I had this... I, I didn't read a lot about it beforehand yeah. i didn't really you know i wasn't that interested i respect naughty dog as a developer but i don't find that i enjoy their games uh i always thought that was me because like uh, the uncharted series was always my one where it's like 
I can respect these. I didn't think they were for me. Yeah, there are things, uh, aspects of their design, things that, like, you know what, you're doing some really cool stuff with that, and that's neat for people who want that. Um, but no, thank you. Uh, and uh, I sort of expected going into Last of Us that I would feel, yeah, this is a pretty good game. Uh, and it's fine. I don't... I mean, it's it's not something like where with Uncharted games, there have been points where I've been like, all right, I'm done. I'm not going to see this through to the end. I, I just don't care that much. Uh, I went through the whole thing. It didn't particularly uh, obstruct me. I thought the stage design was great. Uh, the, the It's very uh, malleable for stealth. That's how you want to approach most encounters. And that worked pretty well for me. I didn't. I, I remember people talking about the clickers being creepy and all of that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I just found that anytime the game got really dark and I couldn't see things, I just got sort of annoyed with that more than anything. But it's fine. It's the downtimey bits that I'm I'm not that into. Like the first time they give you a plank <laughs> and you can mm. move it anywhere you want to and set it down and you think, you know what, that's, that's a great implementation of this mechanic and I can't wait to see what they do with it. <laughs> and then it's just that. Except, you know, it might be a ladder. And then you wonder, like, I'm wondering, why did they never do a puzzle where you have a ladder and, uh, you know, you can use it as a platform as well? And then they do it, like, once, right at the end. And you're like, you could have been doing this shit the whole time. What's wrong with you? You know, and put, only one time, I think, does the plank need, or can the plank be used to go get access to a bonus item in addition to progressing your path forward. And the game even calls itself out on this because Ellie's like, yeah, yeah, I know, get on the pallet. It's like, yes, we know, because they couldn't come up with anything other than a fucking pallet object to move her around on. It's little shit like that that kind of drives me crazy about it because there's so much other attention to detail. Uh, it has good quality of life elements to it that I really appreciate. Like, I get lost in 3D environments very easily. You'll hear me say this a million times. And uh, games that effectively leverage visual information to hint mm. at where I need to go next are a big, big deal for me. And by and large, certainly as opposed to other Naughty Dog games that I have played, this one has done a pretty effective job of that. I still got lost at points. But then it would also, after, you know, what to anybody who was watching me do it on a stream would have thought an insane, maddening amount of time wandering around, it would give me a little prompt with press A3, hey, asshole, it's over here. And great. Yeah, I like that it finally does cave, but it does. it's not, you know, to the point of a lot of games these days where it's like, all right, now, you know, you need to go find the thing. Here's the checkpoint for it. And you just go from checkpoint to checkpoint to checkpoint and never really get to take in the environment. That was really effectively done. Like, so there's a lot of good and a lot of, eh. And then we have the story. And am I supposed to like Joel at any point in this? Joel is an asshole. No, I get that. And, yeah. And I, you know, that's fine. I could deal with an asshole protagonist. I feel like it may be something where they may be hoped that or expected the audience to slowly understand over the course of the game that he's a jackass. Um, and maybe for different people, that's at different points. Mm. Um, so it might be a, just a taste thing or a how you read the character. Um it's been a while since I played it, but certainly from my memory, he's it, it, you're cotton on fairly early that he's a prat. See, I get the impression that their intended character arc for Joel is that, you know, he's become this horrible, distant, embittered person as a result of having lost his daughter and surviving in this terrible life for 20 years, which... Yeah. Yeah, I buy that. That's I take that. That's sure. Fine. Yeah. And that, you know, then his relationship with Ellie, like, changes him and re-establishes uh, his connection to humanity. Yeah. Well, I think that's reflected from when he, he stands on that hill and says, 
you know, Ellie, we really are the last of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, but if that's their intended character arc, I it missed it for me. Because the way that this game ends to where he demonstrates that he is still the same selfish survive I I get what I want asshole. Yeah. So to be sort of not too spoilery about that ending, like what what I will say about it is I think that for me I enjoyed that they set up an expected resolution that they didn't do. Like, I think they build that story up as if the plot is going to be... He's hardened from having lost too much. Over the his journey with Ellie, he's going to soften up and he'll ultimately, you know, do the right thing, be the... You know, he'll be a better person by the end. And I kind of like that he, you know, that he wasn't a better person by the end. That they build up as if it's like, oh, it, it, it you know, he's she's changing him, she's changing it. It's like, no, he's still an arse. He's still going to do what he wants. I think that's reflected in Ellie's last line. Yeah. Just that one word line. Um, The way it's delivered and the look on the face, like, that always stuck with me. Yeah. And I really liked it. And I hope it pays off in in the sequel. Yeah. I've not known how to feel about there being a sequel for a while because, like, part of me goes, that ending was really powerful, that line delivery was really great, that whole... Like, I've, I've argued about that ending with so many people so many different ways, and I really enjoyed that. Like, I I personally think that Ellie totally saw through and was like, no, oh, okay, fine, fine, okay, if that's the truth, we'll, we'll go with it. But, like, now that a sequel is happening, I hope that there are some fucking comeuppance for Joel, because, yeah. oh, you made some choices on her behalf that I don't think she would agree with. Yeah. Yeah. Like that time he denied a... Uh... A lunch to a kid that couldn't afford it at school. <laughs> that was the worst part of their game. Well, and, and you know, in many, many cases, that lunch that they get at school might be the only meal that that child gets in the day. Yeah. Yeah. No wonder Ellie was pissed. <laughs> right? I'd have been... Uh. And, and, oh, also, I was frustrated by the Ellie segment of the game. Because she is such a better character to play as the Joel. Uh, that's one thing they've clearly learned with the sequel. Yeah, this is why I am ready for an entire game of, of Ellie. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I take all of, all of your criticisms as a totally, totally valid. Like, I, the reasons I like this game are not for its gameplay, are not for the sections where you push someone around on another floating crate thing, and, you know, it's... I like the the way it develops its tone. I really like the fact that it feels like one big, slow, consistent journey. Yeah. Like, I... It, it, it feels to me like the, the comparison I, I always want to give it to is something like um, the Hobbit books where it's like that. All you have to do is just walk across a big... You've got to do a real big walk. But giving a proper sense of scale to a big, long, like, a really difficult, lengthy journey. I appreciate that they skipped all of that time between Pittsburgh and Wyoming. (laughs) Um, I like the... I don't think the characters are good people, but I like the characterization. I like how the performances are done. I think all of the characters in the time that you have with them get to be pretty well developed. Yeah, and I think that that ending and Joel's whole stuff at the end was really interesting. I think it was a brave move to make that really... They, I think they really stuck that narrative's landing for me. I liked Bill a lot. <gasps> yeah, yes. Bill's interesting. Yes. And I was very disappointed that Sony, neither Sony nor Naughty Dog nor anybody apparently ever bought the uh, web domain for the uh, the Bears magazine that Bill has. Uh, uh, it just forwards to a site that sells bear rugs. Tragic. Uh, Missed opportunity. Yeah, fine, fine, fine game. Uh, you know, things that I... It's definitely the best game by Naughty Dog I've ever played. Yeah. Uh, I think, hands down. Um, I still think it's it's a masterpiece in spite of some of its own decisions. I am very excited to see what a sequel to that game can do. And I will play it in five years when Sony gives it to me for <laughs> part of my subscription. I, I will be there day one when Last of Us 2 comes out. Like, I, in, in spite of the fact that, like, I'm a bit worried that maybe they're gonna kill off gays again, and maybe this and maybe that, but, like, I'm still gonna play it day one. Cool, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what what else is there on the playlist? Uh, I played a game that was a bit shit this week. Not Overwatch on Switch. 
A different shit game? No, another game. Another game on on Switch that's a bit shit. Um, so I played some little little town hero. I think it's called. Let me double. Let me double check the name. I can't remember the fucking name of this game. Yeah, Little Town Hero. So this is a new JRPG from Game Freak, who most people know as the Pokemon people. Right. And as far as I'm aware, like other than Pokemon, this is the only time they've tried to make a new RPG. Uh oh. I was like, I fucking love Pokemon. I'll give this a look. It's not good. There are some interesting ideas. Uh, the whole concept is. You're a villager in a JRPG town, and the whole conceit is, oh, no one's allowed to leave the town. Don't leave the town. It's dangerous out there. So obviously, you protagonist kid wants to do nothing but leave the town. Um, and then monsters start to show up, and you have to defend the town from monsters. The The visual design is really nice. It's got a really beautiful little cel-shaded art style to it. I'll give it that. And some of the character writing is occasionally kind of fun. There's some fun monster designs. But the problem is, this game is slow, with far too many randomised elements, and its combat system not only is slow, but battles are way too long, and way too prone to randomised elements killing you and you having to start like an hour-long fight all over from the beginning. So, the whole structure of the game is basically boss fights. Um... It's it's not random encounters or anything like that. A new story plot related monster will show up in town. You go fight it. Go do the thing. You have this wheel of selectable um, ideas. I don't know how to explain this and make it sound like a thing that makes sense. So forgive me. Um, you have all of these thought bubbles when you enter a, a fight. And they will be abilities picked from your skill tree. You don't know what abilities you have in this fight. You have to use energy that you build up during the fight to unlock ideas, to find out what moveset you have for that fight, in order to counter the enemy's moves by using the opposing move uh. that you have, that you've unlocked in your moveset. Okay. Right? And if you can block all of the enemy's moves by unlocking all of your ideas to use all of the, like, to, to do the sort of rock, paper, scissors against them, against all of their moves, then you can actually attack them. Uh. Plus... There's another bit. Uh, so on top of not knowing what your moveset is when you go into any one fight, there's this whole system where you're supposed to like travel around the town while you're mid-fight to recruit people to help you in combat. And this is done like a fucking Mario Party roll the dice and move squares around the board thing. What? The problem is, is that like this, in theory, that could have been a really cool idea. Um, oh, I, I'm struggling because I need some extra com uh, I need some extra damage dealing in this fight. I'll go find the blacksmith. He'll, you know, deal some extra damage. That could have been a tactical thing. The problem is because it's based on dice rolls, and you have to land on the exact spot you want to get that villager's help. If you overshoot them, you have to loop the whole way around town to get them again. <laughs> you can go, I would really like the help of this NPC. Oops, I rolled a three instead of a two. Guess I don't get their help. Oh, well. So it sounds like from the battle system, they tried to do... They basically tried to do a spin on the idea of card-based battling with, like, drawing yeah. from a thing. But it sounds like way too convoluted and then threw a board game thing and again made it far too convoluted it, it sounds here's here's how i would describe this idea system imagine you have like your magic the gathering your sort of trading card game yeah mm -hmm. you draw your five card hand but you're not allowed to look at it and then when you've waited long enough without knowing what card is what you can pick up one of them and go i hope this is the one that i need right now no well uh, uh, maybe it's one of, It's going to be one of these other ones wow. Eventually I'll get to fight I'll wait a couple more turns And pick another card up And hope it's the one I need Wow I s From the sounds of it I, like, I've got an idea of what they were going for But it sounds atrocious uh, They were trying to go for a mix between Like imagine if you had like a card battling There's an element of randomness Boss fights RPG Set on a sort of top-down strategy battle so you can decide who to recruit mid-fight to help you. 
on paper, I get why that sounds like a good idea. Uh, the thing that kills it is like, it's slow. Sometimes boss fights will take like 45 minutes to an hour because you're faffing around trying to work out Okay, which of my ideas is which? Which one will counter the thing that they're doing? Oh, okay, well I counter two of their attacks, but then I got something wrong, so I gotta start from the beginning. You can't rush through any of the battle animations, and there's like four. Your main character has like four battle animations. It's a real shame, because like, it's trying something inventive, and it looks really nice, and the, the character designs are really endearing. I remember the trailer for it. It, it yeah, caught my eye. It's, there's a bunch of this where it's like, Things that should be selling points for this game just really aren't. Um, Toby Fox did all the music for this, which I was like, oh, fantastic, I'm ready for that. It's mainly relegated to background, sort of not particularly prominent instrumental stuff, and I'm like, mm. you're not using him to his fullest potential. Like, why am I not getting into a boss fight and getting a cool, a cool, like, melody-driven, like, bumpy piece to, like, really sell me on this fight? It's like, that's just sort of gentle town music. Yeah. It's it's a real shame because like, yeah, the cat the characters are endearing, the monster designs are fun, and like, when when you luck out and like, oh, I'm getting the I'm unlocking the correct ideas and I'm landing on the correct uh, spaces to do the the around the town stuff I want to do, and I'm correctly guessing what stuff I should be using to counter what stuff. It feels fun when you when you're doing it all correctly and it's working out. It it's fun. And there's too much randomization and too much guesswork. Yeah, like I like I like some luck based stuff in my in my games. Yeah. A, a little bit of the thrill of, of the wager, so long as you're not spending fucking money on it, video games. But yeah, there is a point where if it ends up too luck based, it's just gonna piss people off. Yeah, I I like trade collect I like TCGs, I like deck builders, you know. I I like a good randomized system. When it feels like I, when it feels like there is a chance of me like having options, I, I feel like that's part of the problem here. I don't feel like I have options. It's did I luck out and get the one thing I need? No, then I'm screwed until I get another chance to t turn one of these over and see what it is. Yeah, that sounds bullshit. Yeah, that's a real shame. Um, you played anything else this week, either of you? No, really. I played a good Switch port. Yeah. Oh, I played that one. Sorry, I know what one you're on about. Yeah. It's funny that, that Overwatch is apparently so bad when a massive fucking game like The Witcher 3 is on Switch now and and it runs really well. Yeah. Like, obvious graphical downgrades, of course. You know, it's like pl playing it on very low PC settings or something. Yeah. You're not going to mistake this for the, the PS4 or the Xbox version, but, like, it's a surprisingly competent port, huh? I mean, it's... Aside from the visual downgrades, and every now and then you'll you'll get a bit of a frame rate dip, but I mean, it's generally no less consistent in terms of frame rate than it was on the PS4 or Xbox One. Yeah. Um, and all the weather effects are there. That's what kept surprising me. Um, all the rain and the trees bending and the wind, like all the effects are there. And yeah, it's as someone who's played a lot of The Witcher Three, having it on the Switch in a handheld mode is is novelty. And there's only so much that the novelty factor can sustain something. But if you have no other means to get it, or you really just want to play it handheld, it works just fine. Yeah. And has all of the content, including all the, the DLC and, and all the expansion, all of that stuff is all in there for the, the price of getting in. And it worked all of the dialogue. The only major compromise was general graphical quality. And that's impressive, I think. Yeah. Not... Not that one YouTube commenter agreed with it. <laughs> and I, I saved what they said because I found it hilarious. Um, so I'll read out what someone said on YouTube immediately after my Jim Impressions video went up. I don't care what anyone else says. Downgrading your game to this point so it can run on a hilariously underpowered console is not magic. Anyone can do this shit. Now let's see all the CDBR fanboys get mad because Lord forbid someone actually point this shit out. So despite everything I've said, I am completely wrong because according to this one rando on YouTube, <laughs> anyone can do this shit. <laughs> Blizzard apparently isn't anyone, but outside of Blizzard and <laughs> Bethesda and Machine Games and all the other ones that have had bad to acceptable ports, but with some major compromises... 
The fact that The Witcher 3 has gotten on there with only a graphical hit. Anyone can do this shit. It's just that easy. Anybody. Why, why are we not bothering? Like, it, it, you know, all these developers saying it's actually quite hard and, you know, there's specific resource limitation. No, fuck off. It's Anyone can do this. Anyone can do it. Anybody can do it. I'll tell you what, tomorrow, for a laugh, I am going to port Red Dead Redemption to the Switch. <laughs> Just for a giggle. Oh no no no! Red Dead Redemption Two. You know you gotta sh- you gotta show how easy it really is. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Anyone can do this shit. Uh, <laughs> seriously though, like I I am impressed at how many of the things that felt like they were optional and felt like things that would have left been left on the cutting room floor are still there. Like that that's what keeps getting me is. I expected the resolution drop and I expected a bit of a frame rate dip and, you know, neither of those is too terrible, particularly in handheld mode. But like, as, as you said, it's those things like those weather effects and uh, reflections and stuff like that, where it's like, those are usually the first things to go. And the fact that you kept most of those intact. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real good port. If you just want to play The Witcher on the go, this is a real good way to do that. Yeah. It was a surprise announcement, and I went in expecting it to be way worse than it was. Yeah. And nowhere close. It's the only compromise is, is lower graphical quality. And if you're not that bothered by that, then this is perfectly fine. Yeah. It's, it's good. And it, it it's still The Witcher. Would you say it's appropriate for the shitter? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah? Okay, good. Yeah. I mean, it seems like a long game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I th- there's one thing that I did play around with on the Switch as well this week that did make my Witcher handheld playing experience a bit more pleasurable. Uh I need to find out what the fuck it's called if you give me 2 seconds cuz I, kn- I know there's a specific weird name for it. Um so I've been playing with the Hori Split pa- Pad Pro Daemon X Machina edition. It's basically you might have seen this. It's the really big wide chunky Joy-Cons that are basically a whole like PS4 controller cut in two and stuck on the sides of your Switch. Have either of you seen this? Mm, no, no, it's it is basically like you know how the the Joy Cons are like pretty thin mm-hmm. to hold on to. Oh yeah, they yeah they are. I mean, I have small hands but long fingers. I have a I use it. I talked about it in a a pod, podcast ages ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got the rubber grips. Yes. So this is kind of like that. It's. Basically, imagine a Joy-Con twice as wide that then on the outside kind of goes down with a bit of a wing as well. Just just more of a handful to hold. Just like a contour or something to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. It's it's more shaped more like a controller. Um, it's got a... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I fucking love the, the Joy-Cons, but like, you know what I mean, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's, it's got, like, a decent clicky uh, D-pad on it. Um, the analog sticks are so much nicer than the Joy-Con analog sticks. Um, they've got a lot more travel on them, if you know what I mean. Like, that you've got more degrees of how far you can physically move them. It makes it a lot easier to do things like um, games where you have to tilt the, the analog stick a little bit to, to sort of slowly walk. Oh, you mean like in The Last of Us, which is pretty much all you... Fu- <laughs> and you know what? And I'm not complaining, actually. If The Last of Us had come out when I was a teenager and like we were transitioning from 2D to 3D, maybe I'd have been able to do this before my mid-30s. Yeah. Um, and they they spring back a lot nicer than the, uh, the actual uh, Joy-Con ones. It, it's... It just feels like it feels like using a Switch Pro controller while in handheld mode, and honestly, that's all I wanted out of it. Right. So that's that's really nice. If if you've been playing in handheld mode and just been like, ah, oh, it's just a little small, a little cramped. I want a slightly nicer controller with a D-pad. Uh, these don't work as as wireless controllers. Uh, you can only use them in handheld mode, but. That's really what I've been using them for because Nintendo still have my Joy-Cons and I don't know if they're going to fix them after my analog stick started drifting. So... Do you ever play just tabletop mode with the kickstand? Um, I do, yeah. Yeah, because that's like my preferred way to, to play on the Switch, actually. Yeah, it, it it really is. And I can't do it at the moment, as I said, because, right. you know, I've got these these ones that have to be attached. But most of my 600 hours in Pokemon was... A little, I've got a little like fold out stand for the Switch and I stick it in front of my work computer and I'll just sit and do a little bit of Pokemon while something's rendering and whatnot. You know, I, I laughed when they showed that off, but I, I got to yeah. hand it to them that I do actually kind of like. And the kickstand, I mean, you know, I'm an adult. 
So yeah, mileage may vary, I guess, but um, that, that kickstand's fine for me. Like yeah. it sits there and it, it's functional. I was just I was surprised. I well, that's the thing. Whenever I'm playing, like if I'm playing on a train or a flight or something, I'll I'll you know stick it up on that kickstand and yeah, it's totally fine. Yeah. I've, I've played multiplayer that way. I've played snipper clips with someone on a train that way, and it was totally serviceable. Good... Yeah, that's that's everything I've played. I think this week, I quite enjoyed those those. Uh, joy pads i just wish i'd had less shit games to try them out with uh yeah is that is that us done for the week uh i got nothing they brought back fat pikachu i'm quite excited about that big chunky pikachu's back oh the chubby yeah the chubby pikachu's back okay i'm into that yeah no no more slim sleek electric mouse it's no big big cute chubby chew's back my uh yeah yeah. Yeah. I feel like we lost Jim at some point. Have we lost you, Jim? Oh no. Maybe we did lose him. Where did he go? This is this is where. We, okay, what do we do? Jim's not here. We've we've got time. What do we do while we're behind his back? Oh my god! Like he's not even on the call. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. Uh, we've been given too much power. Uh. Okay. We're renaming the show. What's the show called now? <laughs> uh. 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 Just video games. All we're going to do is talk about video games now. That's yeah. it. No more politics. No more antics. No more zany side stories. It's strictly about games. Indeed. Uh, we, while he's out the call, we'll just delete him from the call. They said Jim's not on the show anymore. It's just ours now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, this is a coup. Yeah, this is a coup. We have successfully <laughs> removed Jim from his position of leadership because he keeps fucking bringing up lefty politics at the start of the show. Much to our bemoaning, we hate the discussion. Oh my god, it's it's absolutely the worst. Here I am trying to be a centrist. <laughs> uh, see, now that Jim's not pulling your strings, you can make your centrist political badges. That's right. What, what 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 slogans are going to be on your centrist political badges that you make? Oh, let's see. I think uh, uh probably uh money is good. Yeah. 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 Money is good. Um uh I I prefer to have money than not to in a society. Trickle down is golden. <laughs> Brilliant. Actually, I may make that one. Hang on. <laughs> Write that yeah, down. That's... <laughs> uh Jim, we're lost without you. What are oh. we what do we do without you? I feel so lost. So alone. I mean, that might just be us done anyway. We're over an hour. We're over an hour, but... Bye. I'm gonna... Joking aside, I'm gonna see if he's here to do yeah. outros. Oh, there he goes. My fucking internet has died. You're probably best wrapping up without me. Cool. Okay! There um, it is. There we go. We, okay. Uh, so, Laura, then. Things. Things, people things, do things. Yeah. Okay, Jim's not here to, to stop me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna do a twenty minute promotional tour for myself. So you know, buckle in, everyone. We'll put a timestamp in the description. Oh yeah, gorgeous. Uh, Laura K Buzz everywhere. Laura K Buzz on Twitter. Laura K Buzz on Twitch. Laura K Buzz on YouTube. LauraKBuzz.com, where I post links to fucking everything I do. What have I had up there recently? Let's find out. Uh, I did a thing about elitism in Pokemon and people going, no, there's a right way to do it. Uh, I wrote about Sadie Killer in uh, Steven Universe and how she's a goth anti-capitalist rocker and I kind of wish I'd been her as a teenager. Uh, I wrote some stuff about Disney Plus and how it's like really showing up Nintendo's use of their back catalogue. Go check those things out. Patreon.com forward slash Laura K Buzz. That's where the bills get paid. Do a support there, please, because I could really do with that. Because uh, I live in a society and require, I have to work within capitalism. Um, you can get my book, Uncomfortable Labels. It's where books are sold. You can get the audiobook at laurakbuzzstore.com. Uh, Uncomfortable Labels is about being trans and on the autism spectrum. Go check it out. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt is coming out soon. That's a coffee table book of video game character butt designs. There's Pixel Squirt. I review video game porn with Mari and Stacy from Geek Remix. There's uh, Queer and Pleasant Strangers. Me and my fiancé, we do silly skits and voices and just have a bit of a silly catch-up with each other. And then there's Dice Funk, which I am on with Conrad. Conrad, what do you do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Um, there's probably no point in even looking at any other social media because I probably have an account and ignore it. Uh, but you can buy the pins that I make that are um, 
God, yeah, I am going to make that pin. That's a really good idea. <laughs> uh, but you can find those at pinfultruth.com. You can hear more of me on uh, the spin-off Doctors, which I, I promise, I promise we're going to get that uh, Dead Rising episode recorded soon. Uh, that's here on this feed. You can also hear me on Of Horse, Bojack Horseman Fancast, talking about all the episodes of the Bojack Horseman show with uh, Elodie Cunningham, Jake Spencer, lovely people, great fun. That one is very, very depressing. So nothing at all like this. And uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Dice Funk D&D Roleplay with Laura um i know there's other stuff that oh but you know what uh this show is supported by a patreon patreon.com slash jimquisition no he's not on the show anymore we don't promote him uh, yeah (laughs) he's Uh, gone well that's where that's we're showing him up oh yeah yeah by by doing the thing that he never could yeah which is promote his damn patreon yeah jim sterling has a patreon definitely don't go there that would it would really show him if you went and supported his patreon because we told you to and not because he told you that would stick it to him yeah so uh yeah go stick it to jim and uh and support uh this and the jimquisition show and all the other uh wild shit he's up to and i think that's probably it for us then yeah uh yeah join us next week for an episode of only video games no lefty politics and no jim sterling show i'm really looking forward to this new season yeah